Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Lord, now your people have sown seed into the kingdom, near and far, in whichever way they come to the altar of God and present that gift to God that they may be blessed. So let the blessing be unleashed over their lives. In the midst of every storm this year, let them prosper. In the midst of setback, setbacks, let them have a comeback and every time with resilience. I thank you, Lord. They will bounce back to a better place. They lose a job, they get a better one. And no matter what happens, they get promotion. For promotion comes from the Lord. Now, thank you for your living word. We are your people, your faithful people, your loving people, loving you, Lord. Thank you for your love and your blessing. We can't even begin to understand that with our normal minds, except get an insight through the mind of Christ alone. Thank you, Jesus. All God's people say, Amen. I'm going to take you to the altar of God. And I might just um, read to you, there's more than one verse on this one, the words in Deuteronomy 4.24. Now, instead of just quoting these verses, I could just tell you for people to take notes. So I'll take it a little bit slower. I got a very, very strong message ahead now. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. The word akal in Hebrew means it's like, it's like if you consume after the Daniel fast. Let's say you, you have meat and you're consuming this or whatever you drink, whatever you eat, you consume. We are called consumers. So it literally means to consume something. It's like eating something. It's like taking something in. And he is a consuming fire. Well, a jealous God, it says. It repeats in Hebrews 12 and 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Then interestingly, in Genesis 35 and 7, it says here it was uh, Jacob and he built an altar there and called the place. That's where God met with him. I stood there right at the place where Jacob saw the ladder and heaven opened. I kept looking up to heaven because that was a spot. You call it like a portal to heaven. Angels ascending and descending on that ladder with the Lord at the top. It really takes you, if you go to Beth El, Beit El in Israel. And he built an altar there and he called it El, which means God. Beit El, which means the house of God. The place where you bring your offering is the house of God. Bring all your tithes to the storehouse. Now I'm finished with teaching about money, but just the concept is like this. Where is my storehouse? That is where the house of God is in my life. It's my second home. 
I have responsibility both ways. And now I come to God and I give to God at Beit El, the house of God. He called it Beit El. But interesting, Moses also has a meeting with the Lord. And uh, now this is before, the, uh, before the, uh, the tabernacle and its sacrificial system. And there Moses built an altar to the Lord. Now, he called its name, the Lord is my banner. The word is Jehovah Nissi. What does that mean? People think, well, it's like, it's the word Nissi, or in the Hebrew, it's just Nis. In, in the Hebrew, it literally means not only a banner of the cross before you, but it's also a banner of a standard. The word is in Hebrew meaning a standard. Moses, after he's called in the wilderness, builds an altar and he says, the Lord is now my standard. I'm moving to another standard. I've lived in his youth in the house of Pharaoh's daughter, obviously in royalty, lived at a standard. Then he went into the wilderness 40 years. He meets up with God at the burning bush. And now he builds an altar and he says, the Lord is my standard. That standard can mean two things. And it's interesting that when we come into the kingdom of God, God at his altar, we're telling him, you're our standard. This is my standard of living. And by my standard of living like this, you take care of it that I can maintain that standard. And God did and took them all forward. Now, with that being said, now God gives instruction at Mount Horeb. And um, I was there. I could look at the place a million times. And uh, Moses and Aaron, now according to the pattern which God gave Moses on the mountain, constructed the tabernacle. And guess what he puts in the tabernacle? He went into the tabernacle of meeting. This is Leviticus 9 from 24, uh, 23, I've got here now. And came out and he blessed the people. And then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And notice this, very important. And then fire came from before the Lord He's a consuming fire. And what does he do? He consumes the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. Now, when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. Later on, the glory of God would be so strong that it is written that the, even the priests could not come in nor stand there in the presence of God, they could not, because the glory of God was that powerful. They could not stand around. They were down in the presence of God. The glory was that heavy, the Shekinah glory, which is the heaviness or the dwelling presence upon that place called the tabernacle. But he builds an altar. This altar is now be, being used over and over and over again. If you go to the Israel National Museum, I was taken through the museum at the time when we went there with a Leadership 2000 conference, 
And I always look out for altars. You can go all through the Bible history till you get to the time of Christ and the Romans so and so forth. And I'm always looking for these altars. Somehow or another, you go through everything and there's one at the time of David. And on the four corners of that altar, they always had like horns, like four points coming out of the four corners, foreshadowing the cross with its four points, see? And um, what an amazing visit that was to be there and to see those things. And then go right through that thing and there's the curator with our group at the Holy Land, 2,000 world leaders were there and we went across and uh, I was there with one more man from South Africa. I don't know what's become of him. I don't even know if he's, I don't know if he lives or not, but uh, I was there and they, she took us, the curator, took us to the coffin of Josephus, the high priest. And there it says on the side of the coffin, the high priest Josephus. And then it gives his whole detail and of the time of Jesus Christ. And I stood there by his coffin right there. And I looked at his coffin. And it's just, I tell you what, like we studied archaeology and it says the stones cry out. The stones speak of Christ the Lord. Now, the fire came out, consumed the burnt offering, the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted, they fell on their faces. So here, the altar is being used over and over again. Just one thing you need to understand. That fire came out, consumed the sacrifice, lit up the coals, the wood under the altar, of which now living coals were carried in by which now God's fire, no other fire, was taken into the holy place to light up the golden lampstand. God's fire is the light of God. The light of God comes through the fire, the voice of the Lord through the fire, and you see the golden altar of incense and the table of showbread, the bread of life, the word of God, the bread of life, the living word that's come down from heaven. He is the word of God. They could look at the word and see the bread as representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. And there was the altar of incense and more of the burning coals with God's fire was placed on the altar of incense. Now, in terms of trigonometry, if you take the, the meeting, the measurements of the golden altar of incense, I call it the altar of prayer. It stood higher than any of the altars. It's from the base up. It had the longest measurement. And so the highest altar that would remain to the book of Revelation would be the golden altar before the throne. And that altar was then on, filled with living coals and then they would put incense, living coals, God's fire, incense. You had to have the right fire burning in your heart. I see you got to have the right fire burning in your heart. Then that with incense of the righteous people would even to this day ascend before the throne of God. And when you're righteous, God listens to your prayers. This is why the Daniel fast is so very important to us to get us there. And then that prayer ascends to the Lord. We'll go on with this meeting here. Now, I want to point out one thing to you, which is again in sacrificial terms, very briefly, in Exodus 29, this actually repeats over and over. So I'm going to give you one or two verses. And you shall also, Exodus 29 and 10. 
You shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron and his sons, notice, shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Now when they then slaughter the bull to put him on the altar, they would put their, they would put their hands on the head of that animal. Now what happens is even with the sin offering, the sinner also would put his hands on the head of the sacrificial animal. Then they would obviously slaughter him and take his blood and that blood would be carried in ultimately at the time of the Yom Kippur, the great atonement day, uh, go right into with air on the high priest into the most holy place. But notice now that they had to put their hands on the head of the slaughtered animals that died for their sin. They had to become aware of something dying because I have sinned and because I have sinned, the wages of sin is death. Now, there is a penalty now. Put your hands on that animal, feel it die and go through the motions of death whichever convulsions would take place. They had to feel it and get the message, this blood is for you. It repeats. It repeats. Exodus 29, 15. Put their hands on the head of the ram. It repeats over and over. Exodus 29, 19. And sons shall put their hands on the head. So what does it mean? It is a transference of my sins onto the sacrificial animal in this case so that now the animal must die for the wages of sin is death. So there is therefore a necessity of death We'll get to that because of sin. So now, having said that, I might as well take you forward and take you to 1 Kings 18 and show you something there perhaps. I wonder if anybody ever saw this, but it's there. And it's in the Hebrew text, Aramaic text. I've got a Bible there with Hebrew, Aramaic, English and uh, Hebrew Aramaic script and everything. So I read in that thing and then it says here, and 1 Kings 18 and 30. You know of Elijah's clash with those prophets of Baal and Asherah in the presence of King Ahab. And so these prophets try to present an altar and nothing happens to the altar. There's no voice and God and as Elijah said to them, the God who answers by fire, he's the one, the all-consuming fire. So Elijah said to the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he replied, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. Notice what he does. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Broken down altars. Go back to prayer. Elijah's about to pray. 
And now the altar of prayer must be rebuilt. Notice exactly what he does. Elijah now, he took, verse 31, 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord said, and had come to saying, Israel shall be your name. Twelve stones, twelve tribes, each stone, not chiseled, but picked up on the mountain, and it's enough, big enough in size, for an altar, twelve stones. And now, what does he do? It represents the entirety of Israel to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order. He cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood. There is the animal that died for the sins of the 12 tribes of Israel, this is Elijah. And he said, and he laid it on the wood and he said, fill the four water pots with water now. Nothing burns if there's water on top of it. And pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. Another four. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. 12 stones, 12 water pots over that sacrifice and they did it the third time so that the water ran out all around the altar and also filled the trench with water. Now carefully notice what happens. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, timing, there is a time of sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you're God in Israel and I am your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. God is our standard people brought to the altar of God this morning, and some will still do this time, they do it over the internet or bank accounts, whatever way. But remember now, he's our standard. And he said that you have, and, and it says that your people may know, I've done these things at your word, and hear me, O Lord, hear me again, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you, have turned their hearts back to you again. Remember the words, return to me and I'll return to you. So, now what happens now? Notice even more carefully. Then the first fire, the consuming fire, of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now all the people saw it and when they fell on their faces, they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now they know he's God. But go back to verse number 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell 
and it consumed the burnt sacrifice and something more. And the wood, it consumed that wood. And the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. But we missed something. It consumed the burnt sacrifice. This is Hebrew text now. And the wood and the stones and the dust and the water. Notice 12 stones. Here we have an altar in front of us. We built that altar right here. Okay? A man of God's busy praying. Here's the altar. And Elijah lifts up his hands. And, well, there is, you see the fire coming down. Elijah lifts out the, up his hands. There's the altar. Now take that script, what it says. It says, the sacrifice, the wood, the water, and what else? The stones. Now you're standing there. There's an altar. No altar. Everything, even the dust is gone. Did you ever see that? It's like, and it's in the Hebrew, in the Aramaic, very clearly, and the stones. It's explosive things to think about. Everything that then represents Israel, one shot, plus the altar. It's a whole prophetic act saying that the time of the diaspora or the distribution of Israel into the nations, the 12 tribes, and finally Judah and Benjamin is at hand. And God has received them, but for the lost sheep of Israel that Jesus mentioned, he said in the first place to come to Jerusalem, Samaria, and all those places, but also the lost tribes, the lost children of Israel, the lost sheep of Israel. He right there, of the most powerful of the prophets, the one representing the entire prophetic ministry. Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets. One time, no altar. Now, if you're standing there with your eyes wide open and you're looking at it, you know that fire will consume the water. You know that fire will consume the wood. It will consume the sacrifice. No, no sacrifice, no nothing left. Gone. Flat ground. Now you better believe it that the people fell flat and said, the Lord is God. He's God. He's, the Lord is God. Can you say the Lord is God? Can you say Jesus is Lord? Give the Lord a praise offering. So we come to the next altar and we see the words above the cross, the ultimate altar, because up to there, no sacrifice for the whole world was done. Now Jesus comes and on the ultimate 
altar, which is the cross that lives on into eternity, is dealt with that situation on Mount Carmel representing all the tribes. Now, the world. God shall love the world. And he's on the cross. And I've just taken here, there are many verses here, of course. John 19, 19, where it says, Now Pilate wrote a title. And he put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Hebrew now. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. One altar remains. One sacrifice remains to put away the sins of us all, to save the world. To get us all to church. Take it again. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Hebrew. Yeshua HaNazareth Vemelech HaUjim Yudim. Yeshua HaNazareth Vemelech HaUjim. HaUjim. What is the abbreviation? What is it? It's, a, 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 it's like an off-quartum. It's a word for that now in English again. Uh, uh, acronym. That's the word for it, acronym. And is, what is it? You, you want to make a summary by word? In the Hebrew, you, you pick up four prominent words. Jesus, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. And when the Jews saw that acronym, they said, don't write this. Don't do that. But moreover, Vemelech HaHudim, Yudim, HaYudim. When you say Vemelech, it means the king of Israel and Anbasonder, specifically the king of all, all the world. Vemelech is the high order of kingship and authority, the king of all things and in particular the Jews. Every time I go to Jerusalem and all my journeys there, been there, what's it, 32, 33 times. Every time I go there, I think of those words. Yeshua, Y, Hanatzaret, H, Vemelech, W, Hadudim, H, Y, H, W, H. And I think of that one sacrifice for us all. So, it says these words. It says in Hebrews 7, 27, who does not need daily sacrifices like those high priests to offer up over and over again. Okay, but then for once, what he did once for all, he offered up himself. Hebrews 7, 27. Hebrews 9, 26. He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, my dear friend, here is the story. Jesus on the cross, on the cross was the sacrifice. His blood 
was the down payment, the redemption that paid for you and I to be able to even sit here, to be alive. Netsuah. And now, give the Lord a praise of As the lamentation says, out of the height you send fire and it consume my bones. The story of the cross. Foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.18 To those who are on their way to damnation, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. The power, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16 So my dear friends, one time, he did away with the sin of us all. But there's something that happens to his body. His body is now dead, and he is now put in a grave. Yet the Lord has gone, go read Ephesians, where it says, chapter number four, where it says, he also descended first. So he went and he destroyed Colossians chapter number three, uh, chapter number two, it tells you that he went to, you know, disarm principalities and powers and made a spectacle of them openly that we might triumph in him. Now, his body is in a tomb. He is gone and he broke the power of Satan. Hebrews uh, 2.14, inasmuch then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he likewise remained uh, partook of the same, namely flesh and blood, that by death he might destroy him. By death he might destroy him who had the power over death. So Satan is now destroyed. His body rises and he is seated at the right hand of the Father on high and he, he gets taken by the power of God to the right hand of the Father. This day, in the book of Acts, God says, this day I've begotten you, the first begotten of all creation, the first of the resurrection from the dead. It's Christ the Lord. Three days, three nights, he comes out. He goes now, sits at the right hand of the Father. Now, he pours out his Spirit on us. And my friends, beloved, now, says the Apostle John, you are the body of Christ. Crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 I live no more, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who's paid the price for me with the power of His blood. He did the ultimate sacrifice right there on the hill. That hill called Calvary. We are the body of Christ. But notice, the body of Christ is alive. We are part of the head of the body. We are filled with His Spirit. We are a danger to every devil and demon and fallen angel on this earth. The same power and authority when He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth is now in the body of Christ. Corporately, we can overcome anything, including the, the Antichrist and whatnot. And people still worry. You can't get, I just can't get it out of it. You know, Moses took the, the people out of Egypt, they say. Took him 40, 40 years to get Egypt, uh, slavery out of them. 
40 years. 2,000 years later, people are still worried. We are the body of Christ, people. That's why Paul says Romans 6 is a capital letter of the Bible, a capital chapter in the Bible. Likewise, reckon yourself. Reckon yourselves indeed dead to sin, but alive to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Might as well give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. Now, Revelation 8 and 1. Back to the altar. Does an altar for sin still exist? No, Christ has done away with that. He's paid for your sins. Now, 1 John 1 7, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Koinonia, we have joint fellowship. That means an exchange taking place. It's like a two-way street. I talk to God, he talks to me. It comes to my prayer life. And he talks to me through his word also. My sheep hear my voice. And in Revelation chapter 8, no more altars like of blood because the blood of Jesus now represents flesh and blood cannot receive the kingdom of God. But Christ's blood is now the blood that covers us and cleanses us from day to day. Can you say thank you, Jesus? Do you get all this? Revelation 8 and I'm going to take verse two. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel having a golden censer, it's like a little bowl, came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints. God's saints are bound to pray. Even in the mid-tribulation, we have, I became aware of it through the teaching many years ago of Dr. Hilton Sutton, who was a specialist on prophecy and great inspiration to get the prophecy in a, correctly in my life and ministry and establish the proper concept of it. But in the tribulation, what Dr. Hilton Sutton calls the great tribulation saints that come through. They appear in white robes before the throne of God, before the Lamb. And the prayers of the saints, even after the capturing away of the church, there's still people behind and they repent and they repent fast and they're taken out of the rapture when they realize and they gave their lives to Jesus because it's still not over until the great white throne judgment with the prayers of the saints upon the altar which was before the throne. One altar that is mentioned in the heaven itself is the altar of prayer, the golden altar of incense. One altar. Angels accumulate those prayers. They go into one of those vials. They mixed with incense, thrown on the live burning coals with God's fire. No foreign fire, God's fire. And now that ascends as a sweet fragrance to the throne. And look at this, it says, and the smoke of the incense, verse four, with the prayers of the saints. Everybody say prayers work. Everybody say my prayers also work. When it's poured out on the throne, the following happens. Now, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of all the saints ascended before, the, for the, before God from the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, 
through it, there comes the response to prayer. On the earth, what happens next is there were noises. God's power released now. Thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Noises. Voices, it says, it's the Greek word, which is a familiar one, and familiar one is phone, which is like a phone phone. There were voices or noises, the Hebrew year, I'm looking straight at the dictionary, it says voice, sound, speech, spoken word, utterance, coming from the throne, God commanding in every direction of creation. God's commands going out. There's a reaction to our prayers. There's a reaction to our prayers. There's a reaction to a Daniel fast. There's a reaction to our prayers. Voices go out there, it says, thundering. Man, those, when people pray, it's a bad time to be a demon or a devil. Now, might as well say amen. amen. The Antichrist has got no future. His future is sealed. He's going to the lake of fire and brimstone. Once I cast a demon out of a woman and that woman said, don't say that. Don't just don't say that. And the devil was cast in the lake of fire. Don't say that. Don't say that. I said, and the devil, I'm so glad you're saying that. So let me say it again. The devil was cast in the lake of fire and all of his fallen angels, demons, the whole lot, they're burning. And that demon went out like that. Didn't like that one. Noises, thunderings, and when God's power is released to you, lightnings, and causes a shaking like in Acts chapter number four. When they prayed, the whole place where they were assembled was shaken. And God responds to your prayer. Everybody say, God hears. And he responds to my prayers and accumulates them. They're never forgotten. They're there before the throne of God. And that causes noises, thunder, lightning, power to come from the throne of God. Commandments, spoken words. I heard noises, it says. Spoken words. And the power of God is released in your life in every way whatsoever you desire. Can you say amen? Everybody stand up, give the Lord a praise offering. Now give the Lord a better praise offering than that. Amen. I close with these words. You know, one of my, oh, well, all of my journeys is always this thing. What happened to the ultimate altar, namely the cross? Gone. I will not be surprised if we see it again in heaven, if God did not, because that thing just disappeared. Just gone. The altar of Elijah, just gone. This one, just gone. And Jesus, he's there. And what's he doing? He's waiting for you. And what's he doing now? He lives to make prayers intercession for you. And what are you doing now? We're doing intercession. And what else do we do? We fast and we pray the Daniel fast. Can you say amen? amen. Tonight, I expect the move of God on this house. Can you say, give the Lord a praise of him. Amen. We have all fasted 21 days in the Daniel fast for this very purpose. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you now and forevermore. The Lord bless you and keep you and lift up His countenance over you and give you peace in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All God's people said. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.